0: Hey, listener, Uh, Dalton with the Good Trash Genre Cast. Just wanted to let you know that we are officially live with our Patreon account, so please do that. Uh, You don't have to give us money. We don't care if you don't, but if you do, that would really be awesome. So go to the show notes. Uh, We'll have a link to it there, or you can just go to Patreon and search Good Trash Genre Cast and find us that way. Uh, Really excited about this. There's a lot of cool things that you can get if you give us money. Again, you don't have to give us money. the bonus for $1, $1 only, you can get our exclusive commentary track for the film Alien by Ridley Scott. Uh, something we recorded a couple of months ago right after we did Predator, so we're very excited for you to do that. So go there, do the thing, win the points. Uh, thanks again, listener. Love you.
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Caleb Masters. I'm joining the Good Trash Genre Cast today to talk about Mad Max Fury Road. If you're tuning in, can I suggest you please go on over to the Facey Facebook, give it a like, go on Twitter, follow it. And uh, if you happen to have an iTunes uh, on your phone, go ahead and subscribe so you can uh, give it a listen. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show.
2: We got a Black Hawk down. We got a Black Hawk down, 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 down,
0: down. Good Trash Genre Cast. So,
2: dead? That's fine. How about alive? Hmm? You want to know how I got these scars? Can you spell it? D J A N G O. The D is silent. I have got to give me one of these. you're a wolf. Call. Yeah. What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. Who gave you these? Who taught you about
3: these? I learned it from you. Okay. I learned it from watching you.
2: We can kill it. It's your last chance to walk away. Are you kidding? It's five against one. It's two against one. How do you figure? Once I take out the leader, which is you, I'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen. men. The last two guys, I always win. Have you, uh, you done this before? It's getting late. Remember, you wanted this.
4: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Donnercast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we talk about the films that you'll never discuss in Film Studies class, maybe with an exception this week, we don't know. Uh, But we are going to apply Film Studies analysis to those types of films that are the good trash. This week's film is Mad Max, Fury Road, aka Slightly Sad Max, Zoloft Road. But we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit, and uh, we're going to introduce the Disembodied Voices. But first and foremost, we have a guest host with us today, frequent guest host, and collaborator,
1: and just general good guy. Uh, If you'd introduce yourself, sir. Hello, everybody. My name is Caleb Masters from Renegade Cinema, and we got this covered.com, and I just want to say I am the Scales of Justice, conductor of the podcast of death.
4: It's accurate, and it is also true. Thank you very much. Uh, If you would, to my left, sir. My
0: name is Dalton Stewart, and I will ride Eternal, shiny and chrome. Thank
4: you very much. Across if you would, ma'am.
3: My name is Alexander Bohannon, and Dustin is a crazy schmeg who eats schlanger.
4: Thank you very much. And if I yell fool, Alex, go ahead and start up the engines. Okay. Thank you very, very much, guys. We're talking about Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, we're going to warn you, dear listener, this is an analysis show, not a review show. That means there will be spoilerific spoilerages, and we'll find out the usefulness of... Uh, psychochemical pharmaceuticals later on in the course of this show. But until that point, we'll have we'll a have brief synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, and then we'll have our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. And after that, spoilers ahoy, and it is sort of a pirate movie, so you have been warned about all of that. Let's begin now with that synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir.
1: A woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in post-apocalyptic Australia in search for her homeland, With the help of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshiper, and a drifter named Max.
4: Really, how much help do those ladies provide? That's the question I want Which ones? The the, the the wives. The treasures.
0: Well, no, they're sh- they were talking about the, uh, the, Volvani, the Volvani of the oh, many well, mothers. Oh, were they talking about the Volvani? Okay, the Volvani are very helpful. Of the many yeah. mothers. Of
4: the many mothers. And I am... A such a great tribe, man. Total name. approval of the Volvani.
0: but I, least... uh, I like Volvani in general,
4: typically. I have no shame. As one does. So, there you go, dear listener. Now you know a little bit about the movie. Let's begin with those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, just a thing or two that you like about the film or don't like about the film, I ask you first, Ms. Alexander Bohannon, since it is the most feminist film uh, that we've reviewed in quite a while, my scrotum fell off watching it. Go ahead,
3: tell us what you okay. think. <laughs> Sorry. I just, hearing about your scrotum falling off. All right, um, my, I love this movie, I am in love with this movie, I really, I sorry. It's just going to be me waxing poetic about it for a really long time. If I had more than just a couple of things to say, um, the, the message is good. The, the, uh, everything about it is good. I just, I'm, it's, you know, a two hour plus movie and I'm engaged the entire time, which can be really difficult. It's a great movie. Um, I really just can't say enough about it. So I would I would strongly encourage you to give this movie a shot if you haven't yet already. And if you haven't yet already, what are you doing with your life?
4: Thank you very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, a couple things or two that you'd like to say about the film.
0: One of the things that Mad Max Fury Road does that I love so much is that it realizes that post-apocalyptic does not mean brown and gray. It is a beautiful film. It is full of colors, oranges and blues and yellows and reds, and it just is gorgeous to look at. Um, so many post apocalyptic uh works of genre fiction just rely on everything 's drab that's you know the world 's over. Uh, I think the road is a really big um offender in this regard. It was one of the first ones to do it, so I cut a little bit more slack, but video games are really bad about this. Um, And films are just as bad about it. When you need to, Stakeland is is no exception, which is a film we uh, reviewed on the show last year and we all really liked. Stakeland is a gray movie, and that's how you know the world ended. Uh, Mad Max is much more creative than that and doesn't need to desaturate the colors to let you know the world has ended. It does so much
1: more,
4: Uh, and I'm going to talk about
1: that a little bit later.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb
1: Masters, what say you? Oh, this is, this is easily one of the best movies of uh, 2015, hands down. It combines old-school filmmaking techniques, visual storytelling, and then it's got like that NOS-fueled imagination, unlike anything we've seen in a long, long time in the cinema. Uh, and it's really cool because it feels like with all the CG and everything, we get s- everything is starting to get to the point where it almost looks samey. Like all the, the art direction is going in a certain direction, that I'm like, you know, this isn't interesting or unique. But this movie... Manages to take all the best things about visual storytelling that I love, uh, art direction, like I said, the techniques, uh, and, and the pure imagination and combines it into uh, one of the most brilliant stories I think has been told this year. Uh, you know, to Arthur's point, narrative lacking, absolutely. It's a very thin movie on the surface, but I think what it does better than anything else is world building and sets up without having to say anything. Uh, And I I just think that that creates a depth that lends itself very uh, much to the type of conversation we have here on the Good Trash Genrecast.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. Um, it's not an elliptically edited mo- edited movie. It's definitely uh, continuity editing, but there's so much left out and left unexplained, and that expansiveness that makes you want a, a tabletop RPG of this game so bad you can't stand yourself makes it very, very fun to watch. I don't know why all the war boys are sick, and I like that I don't. Exactly. I don't know what
0: the deal with those guys on stilts in the swamp is, but I want to.
4: Yeah, and, and that's exactly the sort of thing, because I want to play that character and how they rise to power i don't know i mean that's the sort of thing that this film does uh, that is really interesting and keeps you wondering but not like wondering what's going on here but wondering what else is happening what else is going
1: on behind the scenes so there's elision but not ellipsis if that makes sense yeah it, it's, it's a super rich world uh, that uh, we don't really spend a lot of time on a lot like the original star wars in, in that sense where there's literally infinite possibilities for all everything you see Absolutely. So there you go, dear
4: listener. I think we're vaguely biased pro, if you're guessing from our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We move on now because it's time to get down to business. That's right, dear listener, and that business is analysis, and we're going to bring it right to you fast and furiosa, Wingardium furiosa, we say. Well, Caleb, you're our guest host today, so I'm going to give you the honors of the first analysis. If you would, sir, go right ahead.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can read this movie, but one thing that was super evident to me was uh, kind of the masculine versus feminine, uh hyper-masculinity, the problem with hypermasculinity, and how it also kind of relates to capitalism, but I'll highlight more on that here in a second. Uh, Immortan Joe. He is the full representation of a hyper masculine society, right? He is a god essentially. Uh, he owns everything, all the water, all the resources, and he has bred and created and built the society that is fueled by violence. And uh, he has he builds this entire society off of very patriarchal principles. Obviously, uh, he breed, He has women who he breeds with, and their sole purpose is to give him children. Other women are, you know, there to. Feed people with the, the milk uh, with the, you know, the breast pumps that we saw so it's a very very patriarchal society uh, and uh, I think it uh, I think it does relate to capitalism because uh, in a sense because he actually owns all of the you know all of the resources that he holds out and only releases to the the poor people on the ground when he so chooses uh, yeah absolutely
0: spot on it uh yeah,
1: and I think I think uh, again he, he has all the power, so he even develops a sort of a religion about it. With you know, with the, a lot of the Viking connections that were know, one of uh, I think Alex is going to talk about later. Uh, you know, but uh, one of my favorite quotes, just kind of uh, to to kind of highlight how much control he had over people and how much they were just kind of eating, drinking his Kool Aid. Was and he says, "Do not, my friends, become addicted to water. It's going to take hold of you, and you will resent its absence." Basically, I've got all the water I want, so I can tell you whatever I want about it, eh, but you, poor person on the ground, you you need to hold on to that because you're not going to get very much. Now, I think Furiosa and the Brides uh, present a foil to that, obviously. They are uh, trying to subvert his uh, authority, the patriarchal society, uh, uh, the idea of feminism, uh, an idea of a world without war mongering, uh, but th- that does not mean it doesn't include um, you know authority or power. However... It's more fair. There aren't people. People aren't killing each other just for the sake of water. Um, and then I also think, and uh, the the other the other characters kind of fit in the picture. Ed. Nux being the character who uh, shows us the the kind of the bridge between the two philosophies. Yeah. Uh, you know, he works as a an arcing, obviously, over to the more effeminate you know uh, worldview there. Uh, but he, I think he works as a bridge character to show us the differences. I think uh, you know, ultimately uh, the movie presents a very uh, optimistic uh, pr- uh, presentation and solution for how to, how to handle things. But I do want to also touch on how Max works on uh, – you know, if you're looking at each character representing a certain idea, Max is a wasteland Jesus cowboy. He shows up. He's not the main character, but he's there to guide the main characters in the direction they need to get to. So, uh, you know, for instance, they, there's a point in the movie, uh, about half, a little over halfway through the movie, where they decide, let's just give up. Let's just go. We don't know. We're going to cross this sea of sand. We don't know what's out there. But we're, we're better to hope uh, that there's something better out there than for us to, to face what's on the ground here. Uh, and then after a contemplation, he goes and tells them, you know, hope is a mistake. Uh, you know, if you can't fix what's broken, you're going to go insane. And uh, I think uh, – You can
0: ride for 160 days, and all you'll find is more salt.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's br- it's brilliant because it, it's 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 telling the movie is telling us at that point to take a look at the system at, systems that we have in our own world and that you know it's easy to run away to 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 flee to escapism or just to try to abandon uh, you know things that seem hopeless. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's uh, telling us the viewers and in, in the case of, in context of film, Furiosa. Uh, and her and the, the brides that, hey, you can actually go back and right the wrongs of this hyper-masculine society, a.k.a. capitalism again. I think there's uh, some strong ties there. Um, and, uh, you know, that we're better off solving and fixing the problems we have in front of us than abandoning without hope. Um, and then obviously I think the mil- the film uh, says, that, you know, with, with the heroes prevailing, uh, that we are able to... Beat the evils of hyper capitalism, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, and uh, present, you know, present solutions in doing that, uh, which I thought was very hopeful, uh, especially for a movie set in post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptia. Usually it's all doom, gloom, the world's hopeless, you just got to survive. This is – no, 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 we can make it better. It, it's still awful, but we can still make it better. We can, we can work with it with what we've got to make it a better world.
4: It's an audacious hope, really, in, in the film overall, don't you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Master. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what's to say you in terms of analysis?
0: Well, I, I want to do something that uh, Arthur is usually one that does this, but I want to give a formalist reading. I want to just talk about why Mad Max Fury Road is so good. Um, and we've, uh, that's why I kept it so short just by saying, a post apocalypse doesn't mean brown. That's one of the things it does, is this beautiful art direction, this beautiful set design. Things like the Doof Warrior, the, the flamethrowing guitarist, that could have been a, a one off kind of uh, visual joke and that would have been the end of it, but he keeps coming back. There's one of my favorite moments. They're uh, panning over the chase early on after they've kind of broken off, and we pan over Immortan uh, M- Joe's war party, and we hear the drums and the da And as we finish panning over him, it fades out. And we get back to Furiosa on the big rig and it's just... And how it uses this diegetic music as non-diegetic scoring, which is really awesome. And it uses uh, the sound of of vehicles and explosions as score in and of itself. It uses that sound design as like a secondary score, which I think is really cool. Junkie XL, who did the music on this film, did an amazing job. Uh, One of the other things that I really love about this film is it addresses the issue of, um, the oppression of women through sexual violence without n- us needing to see any sexual violence, which is something that <laughs> over the last two years has been a real problem. I, I think in, um, popular culture and, and uh, media, uh, is something we see far too much of. And, and Joe, uh, George Miller understands that you can say a lot, uh, without having to show the the absolute dirtiness and nastiness and ugliness of it. Uh I mean those those uh, horrific chastity belts the women wear the mm. the women uh hooked up to uh, like cattle honestly for their milk. Um the this pleasure palace that he keeps his brides in. He tells us a lot without having to show us anything. Truly horrifying and ugly. Uh Furiosa talks about how she was taken and you know very lightly alludes to her life. Uh, after being taken from her her home tribe. And we don't need to see those things. And, and George Miller is, is such a craftsman that he understands this, that we don't need to see that to understand just how ugly it is. The way this film presents the cult of Immortan Joe is, is really great. It, <clears throat> it makes you understand that these war boys don't know anything better. They're not bad people. They're just horribly misguided. Uh, and that's why you know the, the brides say, no, we're not going to kill Nux because he doesn't know any better. He's just a boy. Uh, with a half-life. I mean, he's going to die very soon. Uh, And that's something I really appreciate. The lighting in this film is so great. There's a moment uh, after night has set while they're on the run, and Furiosa and Max are in the cab, and they're in blue, and the brides have a little lantern on in the back, and they're bathed in orange. It's just such a beautiful film, and it does so much right. And again, uh, I just want to finish it by saying the Doof Warrior, his final moment uh, in this massive carnage is his guitar flying towards you. And what could have been a one-off throwaway character, just a silly visual gag of this guy with the flamethrowing guitar, is the punctuation point on the final action scene of this film is this guitar flying at you, followed by the wheel, and we fade to black, and we get the, the conclusion of the film. And that's why this film is so good and why George Miller is such a genius. We've already talked about this, but... His attention to detail, his world building, and his not letting anything go, letting you know more and more about this world without telling you more than you need to know and creating a beautiful landscape to shoot this practical effects action. We don't need to talk about this uh, because that was part of the hype of this film was 80% of it was practical effects, but it does give a weight to the world uh, that is truly something to behold.
4: Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. We were looking at the credits together, our, uh, Dalton and I were, and, uh, yeah, the art department and the set direction and uh, just... Uh, yeah, yeah, they all had like 20 names apiece. And, yeah, there was a lot of people working and should have been because it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> I indirectly know two people who worked on this film. Uh, a co-worker of mine is engaged to somebody who's from Namibia where this is shot, uh, and his sister and brother-in-law both worked on this film, one in the art department and one on the stunt department, which is really cool. Uh, That's so exciting to me. When she told me that uh, when this movie was first coming out in theaters, I was like, ah! Because I have been looking forward to Fury Road since it was announced,
4: like four years ago. Very good trailers. Very good trailers. Yeah, definitely built up the hype. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what say you in terms of analysis?
3: Well, first of all, just think of all of the quotes in this film. You know, witness me. I live, I die, I live again. You know, what are you doing? Praying to whom? Anyone who's listening. This film has substantial symbolism that hinges on many Western traditions of religious mythos. The story in Mad Max can be described as a, paraba- a parable of redemption that uses key religious themes to convey the story. Um, Morton Joe sells his despotism, his medicine for the people, with a spoonful of religious fanaticism that keeps the people in check. The
4: opiate of the people, if you will.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Promising that he is like a prophet or a god that can take uh, war boys to Valhalla for eternity encourages others not to question him and to believe his ideas. And Morton Joe tells the people to not become addicted to water, a ludicrous statement, even if they weren't living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Water is almost an almost universal religious symbol for cleansing and truth, as we find in uh, John 4.14. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Morton Joe doesn't want his unwitting disciples and populace that is under his thumb to understand the truth of what water can do for them and then do for them in almost a, like a spiritual and religious way. And of course, symbolically. With Morton Joe and his dogma, perhaps even representing a despotic theocracy. He, um, they experience a religious rebellion through imperata Furiosa. Like the re- large religious structures experiencing criticism, not unlike the Protestant revolution led by Martin Luther against the Catholic Church or Moses leading the Israelites into the desert in rebellion against Pharaoh. This structure, being, brings, the pain, um, this structure brings the pain against those who question them and their disciples. Furiosa, Joe's wives, Max, and Nook's. Uh, side notes: One of the non-score songs on the on the soundtrack, wh- one of like three, is a uh, Gi- Giuseppe Verdi's "Messa de Requiem," which is a musical setting of a Catholic funeral mass. Um, you would know it um, by hearing it. <laughs> And then, of course, it's divided into all these subpoints, and this is um, shamelessly stolen from Wikipedia because I don't know enough about this piece. Um, so, Desis Aere is that introduces that traditional sequence of the Latin funeral rite, and that is repeated throughout. Which that's the big, you know, opening piece there. The trumpets around the stage to produce a call to judgment in the Tuba Mirum, which is an almost oppressive um, atmosphere, and then the Rex tremendae creates a sense of unworthiness before the king of tremendous majesty. Um, so, and then last but not least, the well-known tenor solo, um, radiates hope for the sinner who asks for the Lord's mercy, which I don't think we got to that tenor solo, but this plays during the Bullet Farmer's nighttime attack on the rig. Um, this song was also featured, um, prominently in the film's, uh, theatrical teaser trailer as well. So the fact that they use this, you know, score that is like religious uh, this piece that's religious throughout is kind of telling about some of the religious things in this film. So, after they run from the chariots of Pharaoh, essentially. Uh, unfortunately, with no sea, Red Sea to destroy their pursuers, um, they find... A, well, uh, unless you want to count the Red Sea of the Dust Storm, which almost does destroy their, their chasers, but doesn't e- exactly. Um, they, of course, find their search for the Promised Land is futile. Their request of redemption is unfindable due to the fact that... Um, redemption in the heaven promised them the promised land was actually within them all along. According to Luke, uh, chapter 17, 20 and 21. Now having been, uh, questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered to them, well, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to, to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Redemption is within them. This is my commentary. Redemption is within them and they go back to the citadel to right the wrongs that can make the kingdom of God on Earth whenever, you know, Earth has essentially become just hell, literally hell. So the potential for growth and being reborn within them, it didn't require the original green place because that's just just a, a, a placeholder. That's a filler. That's a symbol. Just... Because you associate, it's the difference in going to church and and realizing church is a body of fellowshippers in one dwelling place or actually lifting up the sanctuary and structure itself, which a lot of religious traditions um, tend to fall into that, um, you know, making that building, like, sacred. There's a big difference between that building isn't sacred, it's just a building.
4: I'm loving the things you're saying right now. Go right ahead. Yeah.
3: I mean, in the religious tradition in which I grew up in, Church of Christ, like, there was a lot of a lot of talk about how we never really decorated for holidays and we never did a lot of stuff. And it was because the body of church, church is the body of fellow, fellowshippers and followers. It's not necessarily this cool-ass building that we're all hanging out in and Jesus is imbued in the walls and in the light switches. And, you know, just because... So the heaven on earth was within them all the time. I mean, it, of course, it took, you know, someone like how you were saying motorcycle Jesus to, you know, unlock it within them. You know, Mad Max, you sometimes need that inciting person. Um, they've realized by traveling back to the citadel to reclaim it not only for themselves um, and their religious movement's prophet, Furiosa, they've finally experienced the kind of redemption symbolized by the water, and then, then of course, the con- concept of growth and green things, like in that one Vilvalvi's, um Volvavi, Mm-hmm. Vulvati. uh bag, and they can have a newness of life and and redemption where they stand, and bring it to all of the people instead of just a select group of special followers like the ones that like followed Moses through the desert in the Old Testament. This is bringing it back to everyone. Everyone can have a point, have a choice to experience this newness of life. So this parable of redemption. Echoes classic Judeo-Christian stories and symbols, and I think is an actual, excellent addition to these tales from a religious point of view.
4: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Robert K. Johnston, watch your back.
3: <laughs> Did you like that preacher, man? Um, I was
4: keen on the things that you said. Awesome. <laughs> um, and I, I I fully give a hearty... Amen. <laughs> um, all right, no, enough being religious. I guess I'm going to be a uh, Marxist, environmentalist, and feminist now is, is what I'm going to do because I find those things to be exceptionally religious as well. Me too. Um, what I would say in terms of analysis of this film is it's environmentalism is how I want to enter into it. There has been some sort of nuclear holocaust, we guess. Slash uh, some sort of other environmental desire, disaster uh, the the graffiti inside the room of the bride says, Who killed the world' Which is a great question mark And sometimes um, there's this weird division That happens in the minds of some When it comes to environmentalism And sort of uh, social justice And what I want to uh, Call into mind is the often Parodied uh, from the right Because it seems like sometimes the right almost realizes More intuitively than the left When it comes to the uh, um, intricacies And the interconnectedness Of these two particular movements And so the joke that is made sometimes is the watermelon The person's green on the outside. Side, but they're red on the inside. Are you picking up and laying down in terms of politics and the color coding thereof? And uh, red, I don't mean Republicans. Um, so, But the first persons who find themselves oppressed are those who lack power. And so we find a group of women who lack power, who are sort of usurping power for themselves. And uh, we also find this sort of peasant class. Um, There's an interesting Jordawaskian use of amputees uh, towards the end of the film. But those who, again, lack the means of production, those who lack the aquacola and the sourcing of uh, being able to provide those resources for others, are the first ones who find themselves oppressed. And what I want to say, dear listener, is what this film begins to depict is that environmentalism and caring for the world is not just some sort of uh, um, altruistic and ethical issue in which we're just taking care of our grandchildren. It is fundamentally a social justice issue because the first persons who are going to be oppressed when those resources are lacked, uh, when when we find climate change to begin to bring about destruction are not – Just the general humanity, they're going to first and foremost be those who are minorities, those who lack financial resources, and in this case, women especially who are going to be oppressed, and they're going to become commodities and properties. Uh, Much is said about the terms of babies as property. There's a whole lot of pro-choice stuff that's going on in this film also, and uh, in regard to a woman 's right to choose what happens as far as the destiny of that child goes, the destiny being that of a, a warlord, but I mean destiny in general is something that 's put to stake here. And uh, when we watch the film, we begin to see also uh, a very, very important Marxist concept uh, in terms of fighting for uh, rights in terms of the uh, – rather in response, if not in terms of – in response to an environmental disaster is that those who um, need to act, those who need to shake off their chains, those who need to respond to the despotism that surrounds them are those who are first and foremost oppressed by them. And I love. How how Mad Max is nearly silent and nearly superfluous to this film. I don't know if you guys picked this up or not, but it's Charlize Theron's film. It's not at all Harding's film. Uh, Harding, excuse me, I said Harding. I was thinking about the novelist for a second there. I don't know why I said Harding. But it's first and foremost their film. Um, And the reason why is because they're the ones who have to rest their own freedom, and the reason, again, why they have to do so is because of an environmental disaster, and so these terms are fundamentally related. I speak to the dear listener on the left. At this moment, if I can take the pulpit for just a moment and say justice for the earth is justice for the oppressed, and the film suggests nothing other than that fact, and I think it's very, very important that we recognize that, and we also recognize that we cannot have any hope in any messiahs. I loved all the things that Alex said. I happen to come from a tradition and uh, from a certain set of commitments that believes the Messiah has come, and any search thereof thereafter for anyone else is going to be fraught with disappointment. Mad Max is helpful, and he's handy that that he's there, but the film begins to suggest that the first people who need to fight for their rights in terms of natural resources and care for the environment are those who are first and foremost oppressed. And I find this film to be exceptionally militant in the way that it achieves and argues that point but there you go dear listener now you've heard our analyses plural uh of this particular film i think you probably might have guessed that we like it very much we come now to the point in the show where we give a verdict shelf or trash else or instead i ask you first mr caleb masters
1: what say you shelf it's already there man this was day one shelfer for me i had it there I get a text from the, the, the Good Trash, the voices, saying we're doing my max. I'm like, well, conveniently, I just purchased this movie two days ago. So uh, brilliant. You should own it. Absolutely. If you have any interest in science fiction, you should own it. If you like good storytelling, own it. Period. Uh, now, as far as Elsa instead, uh, Dalton mentioned The Road earlier. I think it would be a great companion piece to do kind of a comparison contrast in how far uh, post-apocalyptic movies and the genre has come over the last ten years. Uh, if you're looking at something that's a lot more gritty, uh, gritty, brown, ugly, but kind of the classic post-apocalyptic film, that's definitely one to check out. And Charlize Theron is in that movie as well, uh, as his wife who wanders off into the dark abyss. So uh, I'd also throw out Kill Bill, both of them, because uh, feminist film. It's awesome. You want to see what Charlize Theron's character would have done in a different setting? Uh, go watch that. Uh, go watch those movies. And uh, as a, a and also. I would recommend playing Fallout Three a lot because if you want to, if you love the world of Mad Max and you're curious about the intricacies, as Dustin talked about earlier, all these uh, infinite possibilities—that is a game which will allow you to further explore and go in-depth with the different cultures and subcultures that exist in a world very comparable and inspired by Matt, the original Mad Max. I nearly forgot, guys. i got to give this movie a quick rating. So I went with 11 ran, road-ran warbles out of a possible 11 and a half. Thank you very much,
4: Mr. Caleb Masters. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what say you? Shelf or Trash? Else or Instead?
3: This is a hard shelf for me. You guys know I don't buy movies. I bought this movie, like DVD own it physical hard copy so that I can watch it at at my leisure. Although I would warn you to consider, I don't have a Blu-ray player. I bought just the standard definition DVD copy, which is probably one of the cheapest DVDs I've ever witnessed in my life. So if I know the Blu-ray edition, like has like a digital copy, the Blu-ray and then the DVD, just go ahead and spring for that. Even if you don't have a Blu-ray player, because this standard crap like it is maybe the worst dvd rip i've seen in a long time so uh,
1: the blu-ray looks great too although to your to your point the menus look like a standard red boxer for the purchased version yes uh, but there it's is it, it, i was very surprised uh, but there is another not yet announced as far as date goes but there is going to be another uh collector's edition release that's going to feature george miller's black and white cut of the movie no no sound except for the music And black and white.
3: So, yes. Buy this movie. Like, I buy this movie. Like, oh, crazy. Amazing. Awesome. Okay. I would give it 500 possible um, blood bags out of a possible 500. It is just that good. Just do it. Okay. Um, In terms of, like, Other things to do with this film, I would say that the only thing that came to my mind was play Borderlands, because that's just the gritty, post-apocalyptic vibe that I got the entire game. Lots of guns, lots of... Lots of frivolity, probably a lot more comedic than. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> uh,
1: got that, that cartoon edge. It's, yes. It makes it a lot more fun, not as brown. Yeah,
3: yeah, but it is definitely got a lot of similar aesthetics, and I did like Caleb Masters' picks on um, other things. And I think um, the rest of my hosts will give you some good recommendations on Elses.
4: Thank you very much, Ms. Alexandra Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you, shelf or trash? else or instead it's exceptionally shelfable this is as of september
0: 6th 2015 probably still my number one pick for the best films of 2015 i i love this movie that much i think it's very shelfable uh that black and white cut sounds worth owning honestly um i think it's great Uh, i give it uh five malfunctioning double-barreled shotguns out of a possible five uh to pair with it, you should definitely watch uh, Mad Max 2 colon, The Road Warrior uh, because it's fucking awesome, and it's so great. It's, it's the only Mad Max film that comes close, um, and honestly, they're very similar. Uh, it's about Max reluctantly helping people, uh, one in which they're stationary and fending people off and then run, and the other, it's a constant run. Uh, Mad Max 1 is fine. You can see a lot of th- the seeds that would be planted uh, Thunderdome's not that good. Uh, it's just, it's, it's not as good as, as everything else in the series. Uh, but you definitely, if, if you watch no other Mad Max film than Fury Road, you need to check out The Road Warrior, because it's awesome. Um, and you get to see Mel Gibson, uh, at his finest before he was a crazy person. Uh, I would also recommend, if you want another badass feminist car movie, you should check out Death Proof from Quentin Tarantino, which we discussed on this, uh, show about a year ago. I really, really like that movie. I think it's very underrated. Uh, People say it's the worst Tarantino movie, and I say that's wrong. Uh, Lastly, if you want more of Tom Hardy in a car, you should check out last year's Lock, uh, which is just Tom Hardy in a car. And a completely different movie from Fury Road. So those are my else else recommendations to pair with Mad Max
4: Fury Road. Thank you very much, Mr. Donald Stewart. I am also going to go ahead and say Shelf is not currently on my shelf as of yet. I am a bit of a curator and collector, so it will get there eventually, but it hasn't made that way yet. But I like the movie very much. I think it's very thematic. I think it's very useful, and it's really, really fun to watch. It is the best version of a pirate movie on cars that I've seen in a long time. Um, especially those long set pieces uh, where they're on these swinging pikes as they're those going. Those polecats, yeah, that's oh, crazy. so cool. And so love it very, very much. What I would say in terms of my else's is I would recommend you check te- check out uh, Children of Men uh, for the same sort of uh, political reasons, and also Bless the Child, which is a little known little horror film. Which Children of Men also has a great car chase in it. Yeah, it does. And so uh, check those out. I'm going to give it a rating of uh, 35 and three quarters uh, guitar playing uh, theme music attack men out of a possible 35 and a half. Uh, It's really, really good. (laughs) And uh, I like it a whole, whole lot. You should definitely check it out for what it is. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know where we're at as far as our concerns for this film goes. We need to talk about how you can be part of the conversation in terms of social media and how we can keep this conversation going because, dear listener, we want to let you know this is not us just talking at you. We want to talk back to you, and you can do that via social media. Mr. Arthur Gordon, you know anything about that stuff?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, you can check us on a Facebook, facebook.com forward slash good trash genre
0: cast, uh, one word, uh, over there in regards to our SNL alum game, uh, Brigham Cole highlights Tommy Boy, Wayne's World, and Blues Brothers, and Elizabeth Collins chimes in with Hot Rod, Night at the Roxbury, Mean Girls, and Superstar, just to name a few. And then
1: over, uh, you can find us on Google, Google+. Plus. Uh, you can email us goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. And over there, after posting our jack show, uh, user Jason Leggett said that. It's still hard to believe
0: Robin's gone. Uh, what a sad tragedy. And we couldn't agree with you more, Jason. Uh, so thank you guys for all that feedback. And uh, just keep hitting us up.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, What say you in terms of social media?
0: Our tweets are fire and blood. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genrecast on Twitter at good underscore trash. Any feedback coming in from that twitzy Twitter? Lots and lots of uh, favorites and retweets. Um, We've got a new follower in the form of Caleb M. Bruza, who's at KM Bruza. He is uh, featured in the film Upland. We might be having an interview with that director coming soon. Uh, Caleb Bruza is a good friend of mine and a, a very funny guy, very talented actor. Uh, lots of love. We tweeted about uh, 30,000 plays uh, over on the Podbean site. We've we've crested the 30,000 mark. I'm not sure if that includes our iTunes plays, but it definitely includes uh, our uh, Podbean plays. So that's amazing. We've got a lot of love for that tweet. So thank you so much, listener. Uh, as I said, lots of retweets and favorites as we do uh, every, uh, every single uh, week. Uh, some of them... Uh, favorites and retweets for uh, our tweet about this upcoming episode that uh, we we sent out just uh, to let people know we're going to be talking Fury Road. So, Thanks again, listener. Uh, We really love your interaction with the show, and it's one of the reasons we keep on doing this crazy thing.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Of course, you can give us comments at iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, on the Podbean site proper, which is goodtrashhonorcast.podbean.com. Miss Alexander Bohem, do you have
3: anything else to say? I do. I have some in-person, real feedback from my one of my classmates um, Sam LeCates, he is um, in my program at OU um, he said, I was like, yeah, I noticed that you commented on our Facebook page. I really appreciate that. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm just like this. I'm a huge fan of you guys. I just can't stop listening to your podcast anymore. Like, I just you guys do such great work. And like, he just kind of went on about it. So Sam, thank you. I told him about like our slate, our upcoming docket for, um, you know, doing Mad Max and releasing Mean Girls. And he was really excited. So it was so nice to hear more real life people like I see in my face talking about us. It's so good.
4: Gorsh and all shucks. Um, thank you very much uh, for that, Miss Alexander Bohan. And we now move on as we look at the time and we realize it is time to play the game. It's
2: time to play the game. Time to play the game.
4: <laughs> this week's game are characters that can continue on in infinity based on uh, new actors. Uh, that's right. Characters that can continue on infinity based on new
0: actors brought to you by Mad Max Cole and Fury Road. Mad Max Cole and Fury Road. If you need to replace a main actor, Tom Hardy's not a bad
4: selection. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dolls Stewart. What are your picks?
0: Well, I do want to preface this by saying we took guys like Bond off the table who has... in. Uh, Bond is kind of the inspiration for this idea of continuing character on. Uh, I started off with a a selection from a film that's already been mentioned, The Bride from Kill Bill. Uh, I think the idea of the continuing adventures of The Bride is pretty cool. Um, Obviously, she doesn't really have a need to kill anybody else because she got her daughter back, but the idea of Uma Thurman's character continuing on to kick ass is pretty cool to me. Uh, A character from a film that's not very good, uh, Van Helsing, uh, starring... Hugh Jackman, not a good movie, but a very fun concept uh, of of having a character that goes around fighting famous monsters uh, using Victorian steampunk weaponry. I want to mention the man with no name. I could always use more of that in my life, and obviously Clint Eastwood's far too old to be playing cowboy these days, but the man with no name is also uh, a character I'd like to see continued on forever. Finally, uh, Hannibal uh, has been recast several times. Uh, I think, honestly, Mads Mikkelsen is the best portrayal of Hannibal, period. Yes, I, I know about Anthony Hopkins. I'm sorry, Mads Mikkelsen does it better. He is amazing on, on uh, NBC's Hannibal, which uh, recently came to an end, sadly, uh, but had a great ending. Uh, that character is so fascinating and has, has captured the fears and imaginations uh, of film goers and TV watchers and book readers for over 30 years at this point. And um, there's a reason we keep going back to Hannibal, because he's such an
4: interesting character. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What are your picks, Mr. Caleb Masters?
1: Well, I want to start off, I don't don't want to break any hearts here, because this one is near and dear to most filmgoers' hearts, and that's uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, Harrison Ford created that role. He he, he, he is that role. But I feel like he's out of his prime, and I think that character's got... too many stories left to be told not to be recast with another great actor. Chris Pratt, obviously, is the big uh, the big name that's coming out of the rumor mill and, and the internet. And I certainly would not complain to see Chris Pratt do his best Indiana Jones. Uh, I think also another one that would go along well with that would be Sarah Connor from the Terminator series. We've already seen it done once by Lena Headley uh, back on the TV show. Uh, the, the really underrated Terminator TV show that got axed after its second season. Uh, and then I also want to throw out Randall G- Graves from Clerks because uh, he's not even supposed to be here today. That's the actor. I want to highlight one more. Do you have one more? Go one ahead. more, and this one was aching in the back of my head. Any role played by Sam Worthington ever, ever.
0: You just want to go see him be replaced by anybody if he, they insist on a making be a sequel. replaced by
1: any actor in any movie ever.
0: Oh, poor Sam Worthington.
1: I like that very
4: much. Thank you very much for that. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what are your picks?
3: Um, I kind of did, uh, my definitions or parameters for my personal game, universal, kind of universal characters that have traveled and done shit, but like, there's not a lot of you know, maybe not a lot of canon or information about them or the, you know, they, they still have like lots of stories in, to tell. So um, one person like that, I think Luna Lovegood from the Harry Potter series could definitely experience that treatment. We know that she marries like the great, 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 great grandson of Newt Scamander, the author of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And that would be really interesting to know like what she gets up to. Cause you know, I'm a huge Luna, Luna Lovegood fan. I think, I, I don't know. I'd, I'm interested to see what Dalton thinks about this, but Tyler Durden. I don't know. It would be interesting. I don't need any more. You don't need any more? I don't
0: more? need any more. Okay. I, I, I'm interested by the Fight Club 2 comic book, but
3: yes. I don't
0: need any more. Okay. Uh, Tyler has to die. Uh, if only so, 15-year-olds will stop thinking that's uh, an ideal.
3: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think um, Rorschach from The Watchmen. That would be interesting. Um and then lastly I would love to see someone pick up the slack of Arnold one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's great roles major Alan Dutch Sh- Schaefer. That would be interesting to see him just go to yes. various places like busting alien ass or anything just like killing so many people. I feel like you could recast that character just, as just like a just like a big Early mich- marine. I
0: just want more Predator in my life.
3: Yeah, like it doesn't even have to be him fighting more Predators. He- it could be that character fighting the alien or ghosts and Ghostbusters or like any kind of crossover <laughs> you can think of. D- Dutch he- takes
1: on Greedo, Who shot first? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dutch, definitely.
3: Yeah. So that those are my picks for this game. Well,
4: thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Bohanna. What I would want to say is I want to see the Godfather one and a half plus. Uh, with some video Vito Corleone and I don't care who plays him but um, more of Vito, please. Give me – I mean, Robert De Niro g- had a great turn. Marlon Brando had a great turn. But I think that's a character that's definitely got some shape and some space for some additional stories to be told, Mario Puzo uh, notwithstanding. And so I would love to see that happening. And then the last pick I have is um, – and I know there was a cycle of these in the 40s and 50s, and we even had one in the 60s. But I need so much Philip Marlowe in my life right it was, now. It was I- the
0: 70s, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Gould's
4: Philip Marlowe is so good. But I need... I mean, Robert Mitchum had a turn more than Humphrey Bogart, by the by. Mm -hmm. Elliot Gould is great, and uh, let's bring that back. Let's bring it to the 21st century, and let's get some hard-boiled detective stories. Uh, There's sort of an attempt there with Inherent Vice, uh, but it's not quite the same thing. But I would love more of that, and just... Give me Philip Marlowe. Give it to me now. Oh, I did fail to mention James Garner also had a turn there. Oh, um, did he really? Yeah, he, he did. I did um, not know that. So uh, there, There's a lot of Philip Marlowe out there, and it's sort of a James Bond that kind of went away, and I want it back. Give it to me now. Thank you very much, dear co host for those picks. Dear listener. we'd love to hear who you'd like to see infinitely played by various and sundry actors as far as cinematic characters. But we move on now to the conclusion of the show where we talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. <laughs> I know we're bringing all kinds of fire right now. We're going to let it
1: burn. Um, Mr. Caleb Masters, what say you? Well, Dustin, I'm quite fired up this week. Um, I recently took a trip up to Seattle for PAX Prime uh, last weekend, and oh my gosh, it's the nerdvana that all nerds who love gaming need to attend at some point in their lives so they can have that otherworldly experience. It's really cool. Um, so it's uh, having me really excited about video games. It was just a cool trade show. You get to see lots of cool stuff that's coming out later in the year. Tons of gaming, uh, esports—you uh, name it, it's there. Indie games, it's it's there. They had hands-on demos. Lots of lines, unfortunately, if you're not f- fans of lines. But if you don't like lines, you can go watch live podcasts, panels. Did fun you get stuff. to play
0: any uh, sweet demos?
1: You know, I actually only did a couple of demos. Um, Super Mario Maker, because Nintendo was the only one there who seemed kind of knew how to move, move people through those lines very, very quickly. And I got there when it was short. So if you're a Mario fan. Buy it. It's literally like the the epitome of epic Mario that you'll never be able to stop playing. Um, watched lots of stuff. Uh, watched Halo Five. Watched Star Wars Battlefront Three. Um, I'm very excited. Oh,
0: do... i So
1: excited. Oh. If you ever wondered what uh, Battlefront plus uh, War means? Did they,
0: they show any uh, new hero characters other than Boba Fett? And... No.
1: No. It was actually it was actually they they actually left it to a very small section. So I had to look for that one. Um, mm. Got to. Uh, by, by passing, met with uh, two of the the hosts of the Slash Film cast, for anyone who listened to that. Oh, awesome. That it's show, a good yeah. podcast. Yeah, 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 it's a great movie podcast. If you're if you're up, up to date for what's coming out every week, they're, they're up to date. Uh, so I met uh, David Chen and uh, Jeff Canano. That was cool. But anyway, great show. But uh, So on the ride of video games, though, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: uh, The Phantom Pain, just came out this week. So I've been playing as much of that as I've had time for. Uh, it's great, super great. If you're into that open world kind of game, and if you like Metal Gear, honestly, at this point, you already know if you like the game or not before you've played it. If you like Metal Gear, you're going to play it. You're, you know, you get it. Uh, and then the other thing I want to point out is uh, I, I did recently get to uh, finish reading the uh, sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, Ghost Set a Watchman, And uh, great timing. Whoever the publisher is that decided to wait to release that right now was pretty genius. Uh, lots of great commentary on kind of the... The underlying race issue going on in our country right now, even though it's set in the 1950s, just goes on to show that we are literally dealing with exactly the same issues, which is interesting. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, if you're if you're a book nerd like me and you grew up reading, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird in high school, like I'm pretty sure most of us did, absolutely read it. Uh, super interesting. It's a more adult version of the same type of story.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalster, are you fired up? Yeah, a little bit.
0: Um, I mentioned this last week, but Until Dawn, uh, the interactive uh, slasher film uh, that just got released on PlayStation 4, uh, played it uh, with my my wonderful girlfriend, Becca, let her make all the choices, and I I did all the game playing because she's not a gamer, Uh, but it's so great, and I think... It is a game for people who, who don't really have a relationship with video games. that can very easily get into. If there's somebody in, you li- in your life that you want to uh, share video games with, I think that's a great game uh, to do it with. Um, a lot of fun. Very fun game. Very interesting game. Does a lot of interesting things to subvert the slasher, the, specifically the teen slasher genre. A lot of cool twists. Uh, a lot of interesting things that I have uh, i didn't know I wanted to see in horror, but I'm very glad I got to see um, a lot of fun. Uh, it's only like eight hours. I mean, we, we beat it in a day and a half. Uh, we started it on a Friday night and then played it all day Saturday. Um, super fun. Very engaging. Um, we talked about it in more detail in terms of who's involved last week. But um, but I'm going to let Arthur Gordon borrow it and see what he thinks. And he's going to let me borrow Mad Max, the video game, which I'm very excited to play. I'll tell you right now, as soon as I get all these shitheads out of my apartment, uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. So, looking forward to that. Uh, If you're listening to this, uh, hopefully I'm still alive, but I've uh, just done my very first comedy show uh, on Thursday, September 10th. It's too late for you to see it, but it happened. Hopefully it went well. Hopefully people laughed. Hopefully they didn't throw stuff at me. So, here's looking out uh, for that. Yay! That was exciting. I'm glad I did that. (laughs) Uh, Finally, my rewatch of The Wire continues, and I'm here, definitively, ready to say it. Season 4 of The Wire is the best season. That's it. That's fair. It's the best season. I agree. It, it, a lot of people tell you three. It's four. It's definitely
4: season four. All righty. There you go. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexandra Bohaner, are you fired up this week?
3: I am fired mildly. Well, I made the executive decision, boys. I'm going to go as Furiosa for Halloween. I've already bought like a bunch of materials. I'm still waffling on because I just got my hair cut, and I got a undercut. Some of the, the sides are really short. I think I, I've done full buzz before, but partially I'm just like, God, I, I don't know if I want to do it. But I kind of want to commit. I kind of want to do it. I think I can pull it off. I've done it before. It's not a big deal. But I also am just like, I paid I paid money to get my hair cut like this. Now I'm going to cut it all off. But, got, but whatever. You got, a, you got a month and a half yeah, to it's decide. Fine. Um, but I've yeah, decided I'm
0: going to be rictus erectus for Halloween, so fabulous, there you go.
3: yeah. Um, so I've just started buying all the materials, doing research, cause I'm going to build the arm, um, do the best I can on, you know, going full cosplay on this one. So very excited about that. And, oh, over the weekend, I caught the man from uncle guy, Ritchie's newest, uh, film. It's really fun. Like it is super fun. It has a couple of those, like like whoa floppy you know like not expecting those twists you know like you know how guy richie did that in snatch at the very end like mm. he's, there's a couple of those cool and i didn't really call either of them um I i'm do... excited
0: to see more uh, alicia vikander who's yes. the female lead in that she she's was in, great she's an ex machina as as the uh the robot and she's wonderful
3: yes she is and um everyone i mean there was not anyone i really recognized except for hugh grant which is he's looking so old like, he is ridiculously old-looking in the film. Oh, but um,
0: you, you... Oh, that's right. You don't watch all the movies like we do. Yeah. Henry Cavill. I love him. Superman. He's so handsome.
3: Yeah. Oh, Superman. Okay, I was like, why do I recognize that guy? But everyone looks really great in all those clothes, for sure. Um, so that's that what I've
0: was, I heard is, like, if you really enjoy fashion systemic. and fighting... It's the, wonderful. If you fall into the small Venn diagram of loving fashion and
4: loving fight scenes, The Man from Uncle's for you.
3: Yes, it is good. I would recommend you go and watch it, for sure.
4: Thank you very much, Miss Alexander Bohannon. I'm only fired up about a single thing, and that is uh, Idris Elba's new joint coming out, uh, simultaneously being released on Netflix on October 16th and in theaters.
0: I th- is it going to be? I think it's just in select theaters, very limited. But release. it is a the Netflix first original narrative. So they've done Netflix docs and they've done Netflix original
4: series. It's their first original film, Beasts of No Nation, which is about child soldiers. And he is this crazy, despotic, messianic figure, you know, uh, doing this brainwashing action on these children. And I watched the trailer, I don't know, eight times. Same. but well, not eight, like three, but still. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I love weekend. me some Idris. And so I want to see it so, so badly. Coming it,
0: out on my birthday. Um,
4: oh, I do have one other thing I'm, I'm kind of fired up about. Maggie Chun, um, the uh, famous uh, Kung Fu Hong Kong actress. Uh I believe she's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I believe she's in um, House of a Thousand Daggers. I'm even, House of Flying Daggers. Flying Daggers. Yeah, Thousand I'm, Daggers.
0: I'm pretty sure she's in that, and I think she's also in uh, Crouching Tiger.
4: But she was in this strange French art picture called um, Irma Vep. Which is the name of the character, which is an anagram for vampire, for Les Vampires, uh, which is this uh, 19-teens uh, French serial gangster film. Um, she's in the catsuit most of the film. No actual vampires. And no actual vampires, no vampires at vampires are harmed in the making of film. It's about this film. failed making of a film, and it's not good until it's great, sort of like Mulholland Drive. There is a break at the end, much like Ingmar Bergman's persona. Yeah. Okay, And – It is ridiculously cool. I really, really like that film so 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 the uh, the French cinema class is going well for you. I'm digging it a little bit, and uh, it's kind of up my alley. And so I'm really, really enjoying that. Irma Vep, I recommend, I recommend, I recommend, and after that, I recommend it. So check it out. Next week's film, dear listener, as we move to the conclusion of the show, is a host pick from one Mr. Dalton Stewart. Dalton? What are
0: we doing? Well, it was it was a hard call, guys. I uh, thought about doing my my namesake, Roadhouse, but I feel like we'll do that someday. Thought about doing... We almost did Starship Troopers this week and then decided to do Mad Max for Your Road in, in honor of its release and then thought, no, we're going to do Starship Troopers someday. So I've decided to pick a film that we will never do on this show unless I make us, and that is one of my favorite films of 2012. The Raid Redemption.
4: It's going to get Kung Fu up in here, y'all. And it's going to be great. It's an amazing movie. And I can't wait to force all of you to watch it. And that is going to happen next week, dear listener. We're so excited about that. Check it out. Check out the film of this week, which is Bad Max Fury Road. And have a conversation with somebody. Because that's really what makes watching the films worthwhile. And until then, gang, we'll see you next time.
2: army couldn't hold me back. They're gonna rip it off. Taking their time right behind my back. And I'm talking to